Welcome to Conversations from the Front Porch. I am Leslie Cordy. I'm your host this afternoon, and we are delighted to have with us Dr. Jacqueline Austin. She is the president of Clarence Fitzroy Bryant College in St. Kitts. Uh, it's wonderful to have her. She's uh, been at the leadership helm of, of the college since uh, about a year and a half. She has a beautiful background in terms of adult learning. She's uh, also been a, a Fulbright Hubert Humphrey Fellow and a Presidential Scholar. Uh, she has some degrees, uh, her PhD, including uh, uh, a bus in business and management from the University of Manchester. And we welcomed her to the conversation from the front porch. Thank you very much, Professor Leslie Cordy. Thank you so much. <laughs> We, it's uh, wonderful to be here and to share with you on the front porch. On the front porch. Um, I've gotten uh, to know you over the past year via Zoom, which has been delightful, and some of your wonderful people and, and the people at your college. And so we wanted to talk to you this morning. Uh, our first question has to do with sort of what are some of those lessons that we should understand or learn from um, during this pandemic, especially as leaders in um, the higher ed. Yes, uh, and again, thank you very much, Leslie, for inviting me, and it's a pleasure being here to share with our colleagues in the higher education fraternity, what we call the academy. Yeah. In terms of the multiple leadership lessons, in my view, that have been learned, or I should say we are learning <laughs> during yeah. the, the, the pandemic, are these lessons. I think that, it, you know, we say quite often, we use cliches. We mm -hmm. say, oh, the only change, the only constant is change. The only constant in life is change. But I think that it has really propelled us and catapulted us to the reality that the only constant is really change. Mm -hmm. And if we refuse to change, then we will die. When I say we will die, we become extinct. The services that we off offer would no longer become, be relevant. Right. Why am I saying all of this? Because the pandemic has, there's no vaccine at present. The scientists, the researchers, they are working assiduously on this, mm -hmm. but it is not yet discovered. Mm -hmm. And we have to grapple with something that is fluid, that is uncertain, that is scary, there's death surrounded it, surrounding it, but I don't want to dwell so much, Leslie, on the scariness and the fact that we don't have the vaccine. What I really want us to dwell on is the fact that it has created for us in higher education opportunities. Right. Opportunities to reinvent ourselves, re opportunities to reposition ourselves in the marketplace of higher education. For a long time, our stakeholders have been calling on us to develop, to deliver and develop what they need. Mm -hmm. And we have been circumventing the issue, yeah. but it has come full circle. It has come full circle and it has confronted us. So it's teaching us the importance of data collection. We need to have data to make evidence-based decisions. Mm -hmm. It has also forced us, Leslie, dare I say, to embrace technology. Yeah. Many, many persons within the academy have been very, very resistant to the use of technology. There has been this debate. 
Well, the debate has been silenced. We, we are now all pretty much online, operating within the online modality. So we have been forced in higher education to embrace change, not only for the benefit of our students who are also taking online classes, but also our stakeholders who have been calling on us to be more efficient and effective in the delivery of our educational services. Wow, you've hit on a lot uh, in those statements. And I think, it's, I think it's so great that you, as a leader, head on said, you know, it's forced us, right, to acknowledge that we need to embrace these technologies. I know that you've, you've put many plans into place, Dr. Austin, uh, with your, your leadership council or your group of folks that you, you know, you lead. Um, and I've been impressed with some of the things that they've looked at in terms of going forward and embracing change. Like you said, in terms of meeting the student where they're at and understanding what that adult learner needs. Um, I've heard of them doing some strategic planning, right? Rather than waiting, waiting for something to happen, you've you've actually gone out there and planned for what's going to happen in the future. Um, I know that some of those technologies that you've uh, looked at um, have to do with your incorporating your enrollment system with your learning management system and some of those technologies. Um, do you want to talk about uh, some of those, those plans for your, your college? Sure, thank you very much for posing that question because really and truly this is where we need to, to really implement the strategic plan in terms of being responsive, being responsive in terms of our technology and how it's integrated. Oftentimes we employ different software, different technologies, but they're not integrated or they don't meet the needs of, of, of our users. Right. So I think we, we here, are faced with a challenge. I say a challenge because many of our lecturers are using various types, diverse types of, of, of technologies. Okay, for example, some people are on Zoom, some people are on Google Classroom, some are on Moodle, then how do we get the reports? You know, how do we know how much time they would have spent in teaching and learning? you know what's going on there how does that feed into another system that we have where we we, we have all the student data you know so moving from one platform to another i think that presents a challenge for us and to generate the necessary reports and so on so so i think in, in answering your question yes we want to embrace the technologies but some people are on whatsapp for example, and they're having these sessions with students, how then would we feed that information or that data into another system? Wow. You know, we want to record attendance. We want to record students' interaction with the technology. But how do we do that then on WhatsApp when they have to take the phone and then um, put it into Sonis, put the data into Sonis Web? So I think that we have to wrap our minds around how would it be a seamless system how could we use one system that embraces all the pieces that we're trying to fit into the puzzle? I think, I think that's wonderful because I'm not sure that there are, you know, I, and I'm not, 
I'm not an expert in terms of all of that and in terms of leadership, that's why we're talking with you, but I think it's great that you're thinking about the big picture, right, in terms of how things talk to one another, even down to the student level, really, in terms of what are, technologies are they using, like you said, the phone and things like that, and trying to make sure that they work seamlessly. So let's talk a little bit more about what happened during the pandemic. I know that you met the students that where they at and you, you embraced those different technologies. What were your main priorities in terms of when the pandemic was happening and you had to sort of shut down on-campus operations? Yes, and, and, and you know, the pandemic really came upon us quite suddenly. It wasn't something that we knew, yes, that it was coming, but it happened quite suddenly when we, the first two cases were reported here. We were really in the middle of having these discussions, a discourse around how we would transition, but we had to transition far more quickly than we anticipated, and that presented a challenge in itself. Because some of our lecturers, yes, they were already using online technology. We have in our nursing department, for example, Moodle, and we were we were actually piloting a, a Moodle course okay. in, in, in the, the division of health sciences, nursing to be specific. We were doing that, but then it came upon us so suddenly, and then we have a task force, what we call the COVID-19 response team, okay. and we were working together and, and trying to determine how, how we would be responsive without being disruptive. Okay. because that could happen as well in, in your grappling with the pandemic and because health and safety is paramount. Yep. So in, in trying to coordinate all that, but at the same time, ensuring that we have some measure of continuity with teaching and learning taking place and having training, that was a big, a big piece of it as well in terms of preparing persons, because we often make the assumption, oh, Persons, uh, lecturers are prepared, they're teaching on a daily basis, but you know, face-to-face -face interaction and face-to-face -face delivery is quite different from the transition into an online modality. Yeah. You're asking me to come out of the classroom where I have a whiteboard and move into a virtual space where somehow I have to press some buttons and make the students excited about what they're learning. And we really, we, we had to be quite innovative there. And we had a number of training sessions. We have a team here mm -hmm. of tech, technologically savvy uh, lecturers and they really spearheaded along with our VP. They worked together to ensure that persons were trained up. A lot of virtual training occurred, training from the Ministry of Education to bring persons to that level where they would be prepared and ready to deliver. But I'm not saying that we, we don't still have those challenges, some challenges, we right. do. We do have challenges in the sense that I would say that some persons are not fully comfortable with the online environment because it's unfamiliar for some of our lecturers who might have been teaching 10, 20, 30 years. It's an uncom uncomfortable space. I started out by saying that the only, the only constant in life is change itself. But yet some persons find it very difficult to come out of the mold that you're accustomed to. You know, so helping persons understand why and how to support the student online. I know, I, I am amazed, you know, that the people um, 
are uncomfortable in today's uh, today's world. But I, even though I thought I was comfortable, I find myself a little bit uncomfortable too, right? Like I have to get myself prepared to have a have a conversation with some of my students so that it 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 feels a little bit less natural i think in terms of that interaction as you said right yeah so, so going forward for fall i know that you're you're thinking about those lessons learned and things that worked and maybe didn't work right and you're trying to jump start uh, for fall right some of your faculty members do you want to talk a little bit about that Yes, we are already in the midst of training. What we are doing at this time, we are looking at our timetabling. What would that blended learning look like? Because going into the new academic year next semester, we still have to consider safety protocols. Mm -hmm. And we can't have all the students on the campus at the same time and what we would traditionally do in terms of timetabling. We have to do a complete retake. Okay. We have to really examine how we can design the timetable with safety in mind, of course, health, safety, and security in mind, first and foremost. And then, we will be looking at, you know, which lecturers are more comfortable. You gave a great example a moment ago of yourself, you know, and some are more comfortable than others. And what courses in terms of the curriculum are the curricula that would best fit within that blended modality? Excellent. So I think that that's a very important question we need to examine. What fits? What works? Because... Every curricula does not fit into a blended learning um, type of modality or purely online. So we have to see how we can really incorporate the interactive pieces as well, videos, quizzes, activities. And we are now thrust into a space where we have to. We might not want to, <laughs> but we have to. <laughs> That's interesting because... I know that William Shakespeare said some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. No, it is certainly thrust upon many of our, of our faculty, our administration, our, our staff, and our students. Let us not forget our students because we make the assumption that they're, they're uh, what do we, we call it, they're na digital natives. Right. And they're comfortable in that online space. And sometimes you know, they get bored. Right. They're not so comfortable. So there, there's so many considerations to be given under the circumstances. So you took the helm and you had no idea that this was probably <laughs> going to be happening, right? No idea. And so um, how do you take care of yourself so that you can take care of others? Do you have any thoughts about that, Dr. Austin? Yes, I do. And I, I think that this is an important lesson to share with our, our leaders and anyone who's listening to your podcast, Leslie, because oftentimes in leadership, we consider all the processes and the procedures and the mechanisms and how the ecosystem should work in higher education. And we want to put everything in place and we neglect work-life balance as leaders we do 
And, and for me, that's really very important. I am away from my family, so I do have conversations with them on a daily basis. I also try to have that opportunity to read because oftentimes you're reading so much of everything else in terms of documentation surrounding various issues within the institution. You don't get time to really read. But I think you ought to be patient and to truly understand that the pandemic is affecting us not just physically in terms of the virus, the transmission of the virus, but it's also impacting us psychologically and emotionally. We are whole people. We are not just mind, but we're body, soul, and spirit. And I think we need to remember that and to nurture those aspects of the self. And if we don't nurture those, we run into a situation where they may, may be compromised. Yeah. And having your, your mind, body, soul, and spirit if, if those are compromised, then you run the risk of compromising the leadership of the institution, compromising things that you would really want to be efficient and to be productive. You find yourself becoming less and less productive. I try on a daily basis. Some days I miss it, just like anyone else, to exercise, to look at the ocean, to breathe, take deep breaths in, in the fresh air in, in nature get out of the office space and to really breathe that fresh air and, and to reflect. Sometimes we don't reflect on what we're doing. We just do and do and do. You know what leadership is about. It is about getting it done, right? And to deliver results. That's why we, we, we are onboarded in organizations to make a difference and to deliver results. And oftentimes we are so focused and zeroed in on the results that we forget that we can't deliver those results if we're not healthy in mind, body, soul, and spirit. I think that's wonderful in terms of, of taking care, no matter who you are, taking care of the mind, body, and soul, and taking time to reflect. I think reflection is something that we truly all need to learn in terms of lifelong learning, right? To take a step back yes. and sort of understand of what we learned and before we move forward. Um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit more about your, your institution because uh, we didn't really talk about your student population yes. and, and your curriculum a little bit more because you do serve a, you do serve a variety of, of curriculums or career focus, uh, I believe, in terms of, you, you mentioned nursing and things like that. I also believe that you're very much into hospitality and management because you have service industries, right, in, in the Caribbean. Yes, we do. Right? We um, do. So as you said, some of those curriculum um, are more difficult to put online, um, and you're putting, you're, you're thinking about the health and safety for, um, for those folks in the fall. So has technology really caught up with some of those things or are you just gonna sort of um, walk the student through it in terms of, I know we call it vocational education or whatever, you know, where you apply the learning. So like if someone had to practice patient care, right, in the, in the nursing setting, um, are they still going to be able to do that? Or are they, if they're fixing a motor on a car, are they still yes. going to be able to do that? 
what are some of those things that you're addressing in terms of like the hands-on experiences? Oh, the technical vocational education and training, the very practical aspects. And as you said, we do have five divisions and some divisions are within the technical vocational education and management studies division. And of course there are implications for the practicum. I'll give you an example. Again, let me go back to health sciences yeah. in nursing. We have a nursing skills lab with computerized patients in there um, and all the technology that you will see. You're going to be able to see that, Leslie, uh, cool. if you're able to visit us here in St. Kitts and Nevis. And the nurses actually train and, and enhance their skills and competencies by actually using these patients, these models that are programmed with various illnesses and so on. Because in these particular programs, like that program I'm referencing, we have just a small enrollment, the numbers we can manage because that's a franchise program through the University of the West Indies. We, the intake, we can manage by having those students coming at select times for the practicum. Excellent. Also, with the Automotive Center for, of Excellence, we again, we would have a rostered system where the students are able to come in and perform the various tasks of fixing that vehicle, um, diagnosing whatever technical challenges within that vehicle, and the lecturer will be able, or lecturers in that division are in that program will be able to roster the groups of students to have their practical aspects completed mm -hmm. as normal. But of course, it calls for coordination, it calls for planning and organizing in terms of a time schedule and numbers. And we have been looking at those numbers. Well, that's excellent. I think that you're probably ahead of the curve um, in terms of some folks. Yes, I believe so. <laughs> I believe so that you're thinking about those timetables. And, and I, I, I really enjoy the fact that you're really trying to meet the student where they're at, right? Rather than saying, well, we're not going to be able to do this program, perhaps, or whatever. And I'm excited that you have some of those computerized models and things like that. So that's, that's a, a wonderful thing. Thank well, you. I, I think that um, I look forward to hearing how uh, the fall goes for you. I know that you've, you've made health and safety a priority, that you're strategically planning with your, with your group, and the fact that you're trying to take care of yourself with mind, body, and soul. Are there any other thoughts that you'd like to leave us with, Dr. Austin? Yes, I, I, I want to share the fact that we are presented with many opportunities. I know that the pandemic has brought disappointment. My, my own daughter is a college graduate. I know how she feels so frustrated. Mom, what do I do next with my life? Yeah. But we are presented with opportunities. It might not be obvious. The path might not be obvious, but we chart the path. We can carve out from this disappointment great opportunities. And I think that we in higher education must see what we can do better. You know, we may not have been reaching our fullest potential in what we can do to really meet the needs of our students. And I did say in the interview that we need to reinvent ourselves. We need to be more innovative. And I think this is a great opportunity for us to do just 
that, to be even more innovative than we have been in, and to be resilient. We should not allow the pandemic to dictate our future. We will carve out our future. And I'm excited about the future because I know some great things will emerge from, from this disappointment of the pandemic. I'm very excited because our students will do even better and they'll be achieving even greater successes than in the past. Fantastic. I think, you know, I think I can feel, I think people listening to this podcast will feel that we're going to pick up the phone and want to call you or Zoom call you, Dr. Austin. I feel it. I feel enthusiastic. I believe in your your institution. I've, I've talked with you multiple times, but every time I talk with you, I learn something. So thank you for spending time with us today on, on the You're front welcome. porch. I appreciate it so much. Thank you very much, Leslie.